episode 8 of Syracuse Speaks, The View from the AHL, a Syracuse Crunch-centric podcast for Raw Charge. I'm your host, Alex Ackerman, and let's get started. Since we talked last week, a couple more moves have happened on the both restricted free agent front and the flat-out new signings front, which have all been kind of exciting. The first thing I wanted to cover was the goalie that I actually missed out on during last week's episode. Right after I, I think it was almost right after I posted last week's episode, the Syracuse Crunch announced that they had signed yet another goalie that day. Now keep in mind, throughout the day, between the Syracuse Crunch organization and the Tampa Bay Lightning organization, we signed four goalies on the first day of free agency. So it was a pretty intense day. I talked about Scott Wedgwood, who we signed for us to be our number one. And we also signed a backup for Wedgwood in Spencer Martin. And I covered both of those last week during episode seven. What I missed, because it happened right after I posted, was the signing of a third goalie for our organization, who will end up probably being the fifth overall in terms of hierarchy. And this one was Zachary Foucault. And I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. Again, you all know that mispronouncing things is kind of my thing, but I swear I did try to look it up on YouTube this time and do my best. So Zachary will probably end up being in the ECHL unless he somehow impresses more than Spencer Martin does and kind of gives him a race for that backup position. But I kind of doubt that that's what's going to happen. So he appeared in five games with Chicago last season, and he only won one of those games. Basically, this guy is looking for an organization that's going to give him a chance at minutes somewhere, probably with the Orlando Solar Bears to start. And he's looking for a chance to maybe get back into the AHL if he can. During his last season in the ECHL, he played in 34 games with the Fort Wayne Comets and went 29-3, and which is not bad at all for an ECHL goalie, especially since the ECHL can be an even more volatile league than the AHL can be when it comes to player assignments and guys missing and those kinds of things. So he can definitely be a decent ECHL goalie. I think it remains to be seen what he can do in the AHL, but you never know. He might get a chance this upcoming season. So he is someone who is new to our organization. Someone else who is new to our organization is actually someone who was just signed, I believe, just yesterday, and that is Jamal Smith. Smith is a forward, and one of the things that I was kind of calling for way back when, about a week ago, was a veteran forward in addition to Chris Mueller that the Lightning also signed on that first day of free agency. As usual, I am pretty much aware of the load that AHL teams ask their veterans to take on. And with losing Dumont, Bourneval, Kevin Lynch, it seems like they're going to have come in on a tryout to see how his health is. Who knows where that's going to go? I'm hoping he's going to be able to at least snag an AHL contract and be able to have a really big year and prove that he comes back healthy. But he's a little bit of a question mark. Right now, our forward corpse was looking kind of young, so it was good to 
see another move made to kind of hopefully secure another veteran forward here in Syracuse. Smith is really popular from what I can tell. I got a lot of positive feedback on Twitter from both people who have watched Smith play as fans and also from some media like Patrick Williams talking about how they really like this signing for the crunch. I guess he has run into some waiver claims in the past, so it will be interesting to see when the time does come for him to clear waivers. Hopefully he will clear. He has spent most of the last past season between the Dallas Stars organization and the Boston Bruins organization. Most of the season he spent in the AHL with the Providence Bruins, where he was a pretty steady presence out there. From what I heard, he's a very physical guy, but he's also very personable. He's kind of the guy that fans tend to gravitate towards down here. So, you know, and and again, he will definitely be a suitable fill-in, just as kind of the Lightning expect out of their veteran forwards, should they need to call on somebody like that. I think this is another good, solid signing for us, and my hope is that, you know, like I said, if we do need him down here, and if the Lightning try to send him down, that he'll clear waivers, and we'll get to see what he can do. So those are kind of the new guys to the organization. Since last week, we have also had some news on the restricted free agent front. We have a handful of restricted free agents, mostly for the Lightning, but there are a couple of guys that could make an impact down here in Syracuse that have to be re-signed still or that now have been re-signed. And we have three of them that have their contracts taken care of and they're good to go. Two of them are probably earmarked for the Lightning, although there might be an asterisk next to one of their names. And the other one is a guy who was an impact player for Syracuse last season, but who might not make it to Syracuse this upcoming season. So first for the Lightning, Cedric Paquette was qualified and has been signed. And chances are he'll be in the Lightning. I don't think that they would try to send him down for any reason. You know, really with Paquette, the hope is just that he stays healthy. He has had a lot of health issues. It seemed like last season not a month went by where we didn't hear that Cedric Paquette had left a lightning game with an injury and was not expected to return and would be reevaluated. Hopefully Paquette can have a healthier year and prove that he still deserves to be in the NHL because I think that there are some questions about that right now. It's really hard to evaluate a guy who's never healthy. So I think for Paquette, the hope is just that he will have a healthy season. The other guy that the Lightning re-signed that spent last season pretty much with them was Danik Martell. Martell was acquired from the Philadelphia organization in about the middle of last season. He spent some time down in Syracuse on a conditioning assignment, but most of it was spent up with the Lightning. Now, Martell's an interesting one because, of course, I don't think he factors into the Lightning's long-term plans. He's not someone that they're ridiculously invested in. So he could, depending on what happens with some of those other forwards that are out there, spend some time in Syracuse as long as he can clear waivers to get back down here. My guess is that if everything goes right with maybe a guy like Carter Verhage, who was also re-signed this past week, Martel might end up spending some time in Syracuse. Because to be honest with you, if you're weighing a Carter Verhage versus a Danik Martel on waivers and which one would probably pass through easier, 
My money's on Martel passing through easier than Verhage. Verhage made a name for himself last season, and I bet there's a lot of NHL teams that are kind of interested in seeing what he could do at the NHL level. So it could very well be that the Lightning might end up sending us Martel and keeping a guy like Verhage. Or maybe Alex Volkov super impresses in camp this fall, and he ends up staying up, and then they have to make room somehow. So it'll be really interested in seeing where those players go and how rosters kind of fill out. As of Tuesday, this will probably go up Monday night like always, as long as I can get it edited and get it out in time. Sometime this week, hopefully Tuesday, but it might end up being a little bit later, Justin is actually going to be publishing his roster preview for the Syracuse Crunch as things stand right now. Hopefully that can give us an even better idea on paper of what our roster is supposed to look like. Beyond that, another question mark about our defense was actually answered this past week when Hubert Labrie was signed by another organization. So there were questions about whether the crunch was going to end up bringing him back or not. He was on an AHL deal with Syracuse this past season. But as we got a little bit further into free agency, it kind of became dimmer and dimmer. And honestly, re-signing, I guess it's a re-signing, bringing back, we'll go with bringing back, veteran defenseman Luke Wachowski kind of made Hubert Labrie expendable. Well, news broke on Monday that Labrie has actually signed with the Belleville Senators. So he will not be back. So that question about our defense has been definitively answered. So, you know, one of the other guys that we're kind of waiting on is actually Nolan Ballou. There's been some questions lately about whether the crunch are still interested in him or not. I've seen fans kind of wondering aloud as to what's going on there. Nobody is really sure about the contract option that the crunch had with Valu, whether it's too late to exercise it now that free agency has started. I'm not exactly sure about that myself. I tried to do some research but couldn't really find the answer. Regardless, he has been qualified by the Orlando Solar Bears, our ECHL club. So I guess he's only a phone call away should we end up needing an in-betweener on our blue line, which honestly, I kind of feel like that's the one thing we're missing right now are those kind of betweener guys. But regardless... I think our blue line, I think honestly, our team is really starting to shape up. So definitely be on the lookout for Justin's writing about what our roster is shaping up to be. And I'm really excited to get that out into your hands and to let you all see what he has to say. roster stuff pretty much out of the way, I think I'm going to jump back into a series I was doing before free agency started, and that was recapping last season and going over the highs and the lows that the crunch went through as the AHL season went on. And I pretty much left off at the end of January, so we will be jumping into February this month. Given the signings and everything we've had to talk about so far, I'm only going to do one month to try to keep this podcast at a manageable length. So I'm just going to go with February and talk about some of the lows and highs of this. As always, if you're looking for some of the articles that I'm referencing, they will be in the raw charge show notes on our site once this goes up Tuesday morning. 
So make sure if you would like to check into some of the articles that I mentioned or anything about the free agents or restricted free agents that the organization has signed, I have linked to some of those articles over there too. But you can also find any of this information on the Raw Charge website. And if you can't find something, please connect with me on Twitter and just ask me where to go to find something. I will be more than happy to point you in the right direction. So if we look back at February 2019, it was a short month, as February usually is. So February was a rough month injury-wise, which it feels like I've said that a couple times now, probably because I have. The month saw a rash of moves being made because of injuries at both the NHL and the AHL level. Up with the Lightning, Eric Chernak ended up injured, so Jan Rutta was recalled, and that was you know, one of the first recalls that Rutta saw and kind of the beginning of the end of his career down here in Syracuse. In the crunch, we had Troy Burke, Dennis Yan, and Taylor Radish all missing from our roster for quite a big chunk of that month. They experienced some injuries, which really hurt the crunch's depth and ability to kind of cover up any other guys that were missing. And one of the things that we had touted all season was the crunch's scoring depth. And I know we talked in January about how the lines were starting to click more than just the first two lines were really beginning to roll. Well, then you have players like Radish and Burke and Jan go down with injuries, and all of a sudden things are looking a little shallow again. News also broke that Kevin Lynch had had yet another setback in his recovery. As we know, all of those setbacks ended up basically making it so Lynch didn't play last season and wasn't able to. So as I discussed in the first segment, the Lightning is going to be bringing him back on a tryout basis with the hopes that he will be able to show enough during camp and preseason to be able to roll that tryout basis into a full-time contract of some kind. So hopefully he will be back. But if I remember correctly, February was kind of the month where we really began to wonder if Lynch was going to be able to make it back. And unfortunately, the answer to that was no. The other low that kind of dominated February was that the identity questions about the crunch continued. And the funny thing was... The team basically had an identity at this point in time. Really, Justin kind of pinned it immediately. The Crunch's identity was a team that could play fast, relentless hockey, outlast their opponents, and do what they needed to do to get to the net and score. That was the team's identity last season. Perhaps it was because of injuries. Perhaps it was because of missing players. Regardless, the Crunch continued to struggle with appearing consistently with that identity, both in front of their fans and, in a way, arenas, which is weird in a lot of ways. And, you know, honestly, I kind of feel like I need foreshadowing music of some kind because the team's inability to play to that identity, that fast, relentless hockey, really sunk them in the playoffs during that first-round matchup against Cleveland. The Crunch didn't play that fast, relentless hockey during that first round matchup. Whether it was because of ice conditions at home, whether it was because of the physicality of the Cleveland players, which I've heard a lot of people talk about, but I just, I have to admit, with big guys like Corey Conacher and Gabriel Dumont on this team, I just don't see that argument panning out. But for whatever reason, 
that fast, relentless hockey, the team was still missing in February that kind of disappeared again in the middle of April. That was the Crunch's identity, and they never found a way to really play to it consistently for long periods of time. And that really started to show cracks in February when our depth was tested. It's kind of an interesting thing to note, again, just kind of like the special team struggles that we talked about earlier in my recaps, that those things came back to bite us too in the first round of playoffs. So that was kind of an interesting note about February. But, you know, if we look at the highs of the month, when the team was playing to their identity, they found ways to win. At the end of February, Syracuse was second in the North by points, but first by winning percentage. The team's defense was emerging as the Crunch's most valuable player, which was helping Syracuse to victories even when that offense continued to struggle to play with that fast, relentless pace that we know they needed to play in order to win. But the defense was picking up the slack, so things were working out better than expected. There was a quiet deadline at the end of the month. The Lightning didn't make any moves for either team, so things kind of the dust settled, and... It meant that the team could focus on the future and really begin to key in to the end of their season and kind of refocus themselves from the deadline craziness that always happens and the rumors and everything that always ends up going around. All in all, it wasn't a very remarkable month, but the team was still kind of doing what it needed to do to be successful the majority of the time. At the end of the day, that wasn't enough to make it further into the playoffs in the first round. But they were still developing those habits and developing the pace and the relentlessness that I think will serve the team well going into this season. So while it doesn't seem like February was very eventful, I think it was good training grounds for our younger guys for what they're going to need to do this upcoming season to make it deeper into the playoffs. That is actually where I'm going to end today. I know this is a little bit of a shorter podcast this week, but with the long weekend this past weekend here in the States and a couple other things that have been going on, I'm kind of out of energy and I'm kind of out of time. It's almost 8 o'clock as I finish recording this right now. So I am going to wrap this up today right now, but I do hope that you will join us next week for more Syracuse Crunch Talk. Thank you so much for joining us this week. I would also like to thank the Technologia Project with TST BOCES. For those of you who didn't tune into the first couple of episodes, it was this project that allowed me to get the training and find the resources to be able to produce this podcast. So I want to thank them for that opportunity. I'd also like to thank BioUnit for our intro music and ScanGlobe for our segment music. Those are two groups that have put their royalty-free music out there on the web for people to use in podcasts and other media productions. So big thanks to them for that. My Twitter handle is alovimo, at A-L-L-O-V-I-M-O. Please feel free to tweet at me any comments, questions, concerns, feedback, anything you have for me over there. Also, make sure that you're following Raw Charge and that you are checking out the stories that have been posted on the website. And again, I can't recommend Justin's roster preview enough. Sometimes I think that it's hard to visualize these things if it's not written down on paper. So please make sure it's supposed to go up Tuesday morning at 9 o'clock. So please make sure that you check that out too when you have a chance. 
And again, I thank you all for joining us this week. I hope you have a great week, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.